Welcome to Financial Foresight. This podcast was made by four fee-only CFP professionals to help consumers understand the financial industry. Let's meet your hosts. They're either naive, they're stupid, or they're lazy. You know, the other thing is, is uh, my ceiling fan just went out in my kitchen today. He is the commander in chief on this video right now. And uh, man, I am feeling controlled and empowered and safe. Don't stop for Dwight's baby. We can edit that out. (laughs) All of the podcast hosts are owners of RIAs registered in their respective home states. All commentary on this podcast represent the opinions of individuals and not their firms. All commentary is financial education, not financial advice. So let's get started. Welcome to the Financial Foresight Podcast. Again, have the whole gang together. Excited to have a good conversation today. And I'm going to kick it over to Ian for a discussion around a really good blog post that was released by another um, kind of financial advisor who runs a great blog, Jeremy Walter. Walter? Yeah. Yeah, Jeremy Walter. So Jeremy Walter runs Calibrating Capital, which is the name of his blog. And he posted an article today called A $50 Family Fable. So I'm going to read through the fable, which is pretty quick, and then we'll talk about what it means. So a son walks into his father's home office. Daddy, may I ask you a question? Sure, son. What is it? How much do you make an hour? Well, that's kind of rude to ask, but if you must know, I make $100 an hour. The son says, oh. Son, hesitantly, Daddy, may I have $50? Dad, no, because you're only going to use the money to buy some silly toy or some other item you'll use for an hour and be done with. I work hard to provide for this family. The son leaves the office by saying, okay. The father is annoyed, but gets over it. An hour later or so, he finishes up his work and starts to think about what his son had in mind with that $50 and went to find his son laying on his bed. Are you asleep? No, I'm awake. I've been thinking, maybe I was too hard on you earlier. It's been a long week and I took out my frustration on you. So here's the $50 you asked for. The little boy sits straight up smiling. Oh, thank you, daddy. Then reaches under his pillow, pulls out some crumpled up bills. The man saw that the boy already had some money. The little boy slowly counted out his money and then looks up at his dad. The dad says, somewhat annoyed, why do you want more money if you already have some? The son then says, because I didn't have enough, but now I do. Daddy, I have $100 now. Can I buy an hour of your time? If so, can you come home early tomorrow? So the point of this, yeah, real touching, right? The point of this fable is to remind us that we don't work to work. We work for a purpose. So, and I think that we can pretty generally apply this to the work that we do as financial planners. You know, you're not working to get your clients more money. You're working to get your clients more of the things that are meaningful to them, like an hour with their son or with their wife or whatever the case may be. So I just thought that this was a pretty touching reminder of the things that we need to consider important in our lives and how to prioritize them better and not let the day-to-day get in the way. You guys have any thoughts on this? I mean, I think yeah, it's... I mean, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Colin. I was going to say, I think it's I mean, it's awesome. It's a great reminder. It is actually a pretty touching piece. I mean, I said that, but I wasn't trying to be uh, facetious there. Um, it, it is a great way to, uh, to kind of bring that to light that, yeah, we do work for money, but really what's the money for? Um, and I always kind of make the, the joke when I'm working with clients that, I've never had a client who said that, you know, if they could just beat the market, they would be able to die and and rest in peace, you know, knowing that 
that they accomplish their goal. Um, so I think that that's another great way to, to put it and to frame it. And uh, I try to always have those conversations with clients and say, hey, what's, you know, what does success even mean? Because a lot of people will come to you with the question, how do I invest in my 401k? How do I do this? How do I do that? And they have a kind of a short-term problem that they think they need an advisor to help fix because they know more about this finance stuff than they do. And, uh, you know, if you can, that's when you really develop great relationships, in my opinion, and are doing your job is when you can start to backpedal and say, okay, let's say that we're able to get your 401k invested correctly and we're able to, you know, maybe reduce your taxes a little bit or whatever the, the single problem they came to you with. But if it's like, hey, if you're, you know, not even on track to accomplish what you actually care about, is this even success? Even if we, you know, quote unquote, manage your money correctly and, you know, somehow beat the market or whatever the case, are we even on track to be successful and, and accomplish your goals? So that's a that's a great piece, Ian. The, the way that that hit me, and it's interesting just how, how timing works. Um, so at uh, church this past Sunday, we just started a new message, and it's kind of tied around numbers, which is kind of interesting. So I kind of elbowed my wife, who's a math teacher, and joked that, you know, this is going to be her favorite sermon series for, for a while. But the most recent one they had is, you know, 18 times 52 equals 936. And it's really just how long you have with your child. So again, as some listeners may know or may not know, uh, you know, we had our son earlier this summer. He just turned five months. And so they had a jar of 936 marbles up there. And you know, each week you take it out. And at the beginning, you're like, oh, you know, there's just so much time. And you just kind of wish away the sleepless nights or all these different things. But, you know, by the time they are in high school, the one guy brought out the jar and it's like there's nothing left. Right. And it looks like there's no time left in this article um, really reminds me of that. So it's just interesting to see the, the correlation of kind of those things stacking up, I guess, in my own personal life of just some of the important things to think about, of, again, why we do certain things. Yeah, I mean, if you guys want the really, the really hard gut punch, uh, which is exactly what Jeremy called it in this article, the time that he received this fable was after a long day with his four kids where he came home and said, pretend I don't exist, I need to go to work, talk to you guys later, slammed his door, walked into his office, and then his brother sent him this in a text message. And he was like, oh man, oh, man. I assume. I mean, he said, he said it felt like a gut punch, so I don't, I don't blame him. Like, it's one of those moments where you need to kind of remind yourself that, you know, you only have a limited amount of time with them or whatever. Um, so I just thought it was interesting to share given the work we do and how much meaning we can assign to it and how much the meaning is more important than money at times, even though understanding the money stuff is super important. Dwight, how'd that hit you? Yeah, I mean, as a business owner, it's, there's always stuff to do. So I just feel like, you know, it's very easy to just hole up in my office and just do that. But it's absolutely right. I think... Um, you know, I've got a 15 month old son right now. So Isaiah, I totally hear you. And it, I was in the grocery store yesterday and he's in, he's in the, um, cart in the little, uh, buggy thing playing around. And there was a family that walked by that had a pretty, pretty fresh newborn. And it's just like, man, we were, it feels like we were like just there. And I mean, we were, but it does go so quick. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's true. And what, what, like, I don't know what episode we talked about it. Like at some point, 
you only have to have so much money and then there's sort of the law of diminishing returns. And so I, again, for me as a business owner, I just feel like it's even harder. I don't know if you guys feel the same way where it's like, there's always something there asking for, for my attention. I can't like shut it off and, and go home. You know, my wife, my wife works more of a normal nine to five job. Um, you know, so she gets to kind of go home and leave the rest of that there. And she goes on PTO. She, you know, somebody else is going to pick up her slack and, vice versa. So for me, it's, it's something like I personally struggle with a lot. So and the outro song for this will be Cat Stevens. And yeah. <laughs> I do, I, I like how you mentioned that. Um, I think it's, it's also a common misconception. People will be like, Oh my gosh, you're a business owner. That's gotta be so nice. You make your own schedule. <laughs> and, and yes, it definitely has its freedoms and, and that part is liberating, but it it it's it can be almost haunting because mm-hmm. there is so much to do all the time and it's five steps away from my living room is my home office mm-hmm. and it is it, it can be such a slippery slope just to be like oh I, I you know i really should just you know return that do that email you know that seems so much more important than watching a movie with my girlfriend right now or whatever the case is and it's mm-hmm. like that's that is a great reminder i, I really like that yeah, I just yeah. I just recently signed up for a couple of days at a, a co-working space just exactly because of that, of just my home office is upstairs. It's just one of the spare bedrooms and all that. And, um, you know, it's so easy to walk by and like, oh, I'm just going to do this for like, you know, 10 minutes and all of a sudden an hour goes by and, you know, I just miss out on half a Saturday. And it's like that work that I'm doing isn't deep work. So it's just... So yeah, I, I do struggle with that and it's, you know, kind of tough to be like, oh, I'm going to spend this money at this co-working space, but it's like, I need to like start stepping out. So I don't hate working from home, but I totally get, you know, having an office that is not in your house is, is really beneficial. Because he's like, yeah. it just feels like I can never turn off. Yeah, I have that problem too, less so around like actually doing stuff, but more with turning off my brain like switching out of being a business owner for the weekend is really, really hard for me. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just be like sitting there watching a TV show and then my brain is going to drift off to think about some client problem that I was facing in the past week. And then before I realize it, I haven't watched the last 15 minutes of the show. I've just been staring into space. So that, that, that can be challenging. Um, it's one of the, one of the sacrifices, I guess there's always trade-offs. Yeah, I, um, I think one of the things is trying to be intentional, right? Like there's everything's always on like Slack and Microsoft Teams and email and everything's just like always pinging you. So it's just trying to be really intentional and setting boundaries. So I think that's just, you know, something that is like I'm just trying to constantly learn and constantly do and then being like, okay, I'm going to be, you know, with my wife and son and this is what we're going to do and we're going to go hiking and, you know, we're not going to be on our phone and do all this stuff and it's it's hard, but like... I don't know. I don't know, Isaiah, if you find how that, how that's like working for you, um, kind of getting adjusted to everything and you know, you're a similar boat. Yeah. I, I feel like it's the exact same thing. Like I'll get asked from my wife, like, Oh, what else do you have to do? I'm like everything. <laughs> <laughs> how much time you got? <laughs> yeah. It's just hard to explain because yeah, it, it's just a different context of, of trying to, to detail exactly what it takes. And yeah, I definitely have a lot more respect for, the people that I work with, who a lot of them are, you know, entrepreneurs, started their own businesses as well. Like, it's hard to just turn it off and not think about other things or what you could be doing, especially when, you know, you want to do more and do the best, you know, job that you can. So, you know, you always could be learning or doing better. I 
view it the same way when I talk about like cash flow or budgeting with people. Everyone can do better at saving. Everyone can do better about spending. Like no one's perfect. Same way with mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, boundaries are important and still learning, figuring all that out. That's that's kind of funny that you say that. My my girlfriend will be like, you know, how, how can you finish up your work in an hour? Or how much time do you need? And and I've just been like, I have forty more years of work to do. So <laughs> so that's we can just, we can go right now. It's fine. Like yeah, it's not the gonna one, end. The one that gets me is my wife will always be like. She'll be wanting to know about my week ahead of time so we can do plans. And she's like, when are you going to be home on Wednesday night? I'm like, when the job's done, sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't, Never. I don't know. Like, my, my last appointment's at 5 o'clock, so that theoretically I'll be home by 6.30. But who knows what's going to happen between now and Wednesday at 6 o'clock. <laughs> you know? That's an eternity <laughs> in this business. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Good stuff. Um, so, like... I guess let's switch to Tweet of the Week to keep moving here. Uh, Isaiah had one for us today, and thankfully, random.org just selected him, so let's do it. Woohoo, I feel so honored. I will uh, <laughs> read this, and this is just a random one that I stumbled upon from uh, Dana Schwartz, and she writes, here's the thing I've learned. The terrible thing about, and she has in parentheses, publishing a book, getting your dream job, starting a new relationship, is you wake up the next morning and you're still you. If you're not happy with where you're at, no external accomplishment is going to change that. Mm. Man, this podcast Dang, is... that's real. Yeah, this is, this is a deep one, guys. <laughs> Let's get back yeah, to tax. I, I, this, was, this was what I had before this conversation or what we were going to talk about, but I was like, dang, that's a really good tweet. <laughs> really good tweet. Yeah. No, that's, that's insane. That's actually how I tried to describe um, my... So I'm very, I'm very achievement-driven as a person. But my wife will always ask me, like, you know, when I wrote the book or when I started my own firm, she's like, so is this it? Are you happy? And I'm like, I have bad news for you, sweetie. I'm already thinking of the next thing. <laughs> like, I can't I can't help it. So it's very it's a very person focused thing. Right. You're you're happy when you're happy as a person, not because of things you've done, usually. Or the things you've done give you a little buzz and then they fade. I think what's That's really a- interesting is, uh, and, and I, this hit home for me, and, and uh, it's the first thing I thought of when you said that, Isaiah, was something that Simon Sinek talks about, and it's uh, the difference between finite and infinite games. And mm-hmm. he basically talks about how, you know, if you're trying to hit your sales goal, if you're trying to win a basketball game or whatever the case is, that's a that's a finite game, and, and that has set players, set time frame, and set rules, but there's infinite games as well, like marriage or friendship and like you can't be number one in marriage you know you can't win marriage you know you can have a good marriage or a bad marriage but that's subjective to everyone and it's totally different kind of like education you can't win education you could you could get number one on a, on a test but that's not what education is you know these are infinite games that are constantly evolving and they're along uh, with you for the rest of your life and uh, I think it's it's kind of the difference between happiness that you can be really happy you won the game, but you're not going to be happy a year from now that you, you know, won that game or did that test or whatever the case. Kind of like your point of you wake up and you're still you. Um, I think the everlasting joy is a little bit more of enjoying the journey instead of just constantly striving for the destination. Yeah, I, I don't want to throw a ton of water necessarily on the fire movement, but I, you know, I, I do think there's a lot of folks that are super, you know, outcome driven. What's that? 
I said, I see. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, super outcome driven there and, and, you know, okay, fine. So you need to get a million dollars or whatever this number is. And then you're going to be financially independent. And I, I love some of the folks that are like, okay, but like what happens, you know, if you need a million, what if you had 999,999, would you not retire because you have $1 less and $1 less than that, $1 less than that. So like, at what point do you have to kind of figure out like, where are you going to be at? So you're the dog that caught the car. Now what? So, I mean, I think it's, I think for a lot of folks that are really outcome driven, like that is a huge struggle because it's part of like what makes a lot of, you know, a lot of us successful is having that outcome driven piece of it. But, uh, you know, it's gotta be a balancing act going back to the first part of this conversation. So, you know, so you won, so what, like you're going to make your goal to take on Amazon. Like, why are you making it so hard on yourself? Like that's, you know, that's going to be a tough it's gonna be a tough road to hoe, but yeah, I I agree. I think I think there's got to be a balance between recognizing the things that would make your career better, your life better, like these things that you want to achieve. Like for us, getting our CFP was a necessity to be the professionals we wanted to be, right? But getting the CFP was not the end goal. The end goal was being able to serve our clients in the best way possible, which is an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. That's an infinite game, right? taking care of your clients as part of your practice um, and doing it slightly better so that you got to f- be able to to feel happy in the moment while you're doing the things that the achievements allow you to do while isaiah is taking down all of the largest wirehouses in the country yeah right <laughs> let's go it's not just me it's 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 seeing the standard of care raised in the industry and that's what i always say and i will go to my grave saying that it's I have my niche and who I want to work with, and I, I love working with dentists and veterinarians. Outside of that, if you're someone that needs help and you run into me and I think there's someone that's better out there for you, I absolutely want to make that introduction, and I've been very blessed and fortunate to know you know, you three and a lot of other people within the communities of advisors doing some you know, kick-ass work, and I'm just very proud of that, and I want to see them succeed. And I just think the whole idea that you know advisors are kind of viewed between you know, congresspeople and used car salesmen as far as trust level is just crap and there's so many people out there doing good work they just don't get the recognition that maybe they should because you only hear about the bad stuff and that's usually the the name of the game in that spot so yeah down with the wires all right i think that's a good place to transition to our last topic so isaiah why don't you why don't you lay on uh, some more technical knowledge yeah speaking of mistakes i saw at the wires no i'm just kidding. <laughs> actually so so i wanted to talk a little bit so at the end of the year um, for a lot of people and i shared this in a tweet and i'm actually going to read it even though I'm, I'm getting two tweets today so you're just going to have to deal with it but i i shared a tweet from Nate Geraci, that's who I thought it was, but it just showed capital gains paid by fund structure, which sounds like a lot of gibberish in financial speak. And I wrote, it's the most wonderful time of the year unless you own expensive, active, discretionary, tax inefficient mutual funds in a taxable account. With all that being said, basically I wanted to kick off and, and pass around and try to explain the idea of tax efficiency for anyone that's investing outside of a retirement account. So capital gains aren't gonna affect you if you're putting money in your 401k or putting money in your Roth IRA. Like it's not the same way. There's still expenses that you need to be aware of, but the, the, from the tax piece, I just wanted to kind of start that conversation because I've seen it um, at my previous firm, which was a wire. Again, people being having to pay capital gains when there was literally no reason for them to be doing that. It just was really foolish the way it was designed. So um, Dwight, 
since you're our resident tax expert, I'm going to kick it over to you if you want to kind of explain at a high level what that means, because you'll probably do a better job than uh, I will in in a short, concise span of time. Yeah, and I love, uh, too, that in public, we'd also have to explain to clients, hey, these things kicked off capital gains, which now you're going to have to pay tax on. So you thought you made X less taxes is really Y. And what that usually meant was they were going to have to write a check come April. And so as a CPA, we always had to, you know, kind of be the bearer of bad news when the broker already had, had made decisions for them. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think like big picture, the idea is, is like the tax alpha, the, what you can possibly save for taxes, it, it matters to pay a little bit of attention to, um, you know, what your investments are and where they are located, whether they're located in a, you know, a taxable brokerage account or uh, an IRA or even a Roth uh, IRA. So, um, yeah, it matters. Yeah. So basically, taxes are distributed or taxable capital gains are distributed from mutual funds <coughs> when the investments within the mutual fund are sold for a profit. Yep. So you may not see the gain because it depends on when you buy in and out of the mutual funds, whether you were there while the mutual fund profited on a particular investment. But in any given year, if you have an actively managed mutual fund, they may have sold off investments that they profited on, but that you didn't see the gains from. And that triggers a capital gain. That's a great overview and explanation. Thank you, Ian. Uh, Colin, any thoughts on cap gains and how to avoid them? I actually just brought on a client who had a question about that because they were paying taxes every year on just a small taxable account that they had. And we went in and uh, they, they sent me over the statements and I found out that their holdings were actively managed mutual funds with 80% on average turnovers. And it was, I was just explaining to them what that meant. And they're like, why would we be in this? And it's exactly kind of, uh, you know, what Isaiah was alluding to earlier. Just someone sold them some A shares, you know, years ago, never followed up on it and, you know, made their commish at the time. And they were paying, you know, extremely inefficient taxes on this extremely inefficient and expensive actively managed mutual funds that, uh, to no one's surprise, underperformed the benchmark. And uh, that's, I mean, it's it's just the, the kind of the long narrative that we've all been arguing against of just uh, trying to do better by clients and uh, continue to raise the, the tide of, of better advice for, for the financial services industry. And I say services with, with air quotes. Yeah, I think the big takeaway is just kind of understanding what you own and where it is because those mutual funds, for example, if they're actively managed, you don't get a choice of when you recognize that in, that taxable income. And you so they're it. kicking that stuff out because those actively managed funds, they're just trying to, you know, maximize returns or maximize whatever their, you know, objective is for that fund and they are agnostic to your uh, tax situation. Um, and so you give up all of that choice uh, of, of when to recognize that whereas if there are, you know, you can position yourself in a way to have more control over that when you recognize tax, if you recognize tax, which account it's in. So that's kind of the thing I think we're all trying to harp against is, you know, like Colin, like your client, they're just getting hit with something that they, all they're doing is buying and holding this thing and just getting hit with tax for, you know, might not make sense. Yeah. And so what Dwight's alluding to in a way, and I'll, I'll kind of follow up. So in a, in a taxable account, a lot of times be very cognizant. There's mutual funds, there's exchange traded funds, exchange traded funds on average, much more tax efficient. Again, talk to your professionals, as we've said throughout, this is educational thing, but you know, 
exchange traded funds will most likely make a lot more sense for someone in a taxable account. There are times and places where maybe those actively managed mutual funds will make sense. Again, that's gonna be a personal decision for you or whoever you work with. But just understand at the end of the day, it's net net. It's not necessarily what that fund returns. It's what you keep at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And that's the most important piece is net net. So everyone wants to get you know, caught up in talking about fees and all these other things. It's important, but at the end of the day, net of everything, net of taxes, net of fees, net of advisor fee, all that stuff, like that's important to understand. So that's really where I wanted to come at it. And the reason I wanted to bring it up now is the end of the year is always when capital gains are paid. I just saw from one of my least favorite uh, firms out there that run some inexpensive tax, or, or sorry, inefficient uh, mutual funds that are widely sold throughout. One of their funds is gonna be paying a 7% capital gain. It's just one of those things that doesn't make sense, but I know there's a number of people out there that will continue to pay that and don't understand why. Yeah, well, and the other thing is that it's not even just going outside of the mutual fund market that can benefit you. Maybe you don't have access to ETFs for some weird reason at the at the firm you're at, but actively managed funds tend to have much higher capital gains payouts than passive funds as well. So it's a combination of considering what type of fund you are, mutual fund or ETF, and then how that mutual fund or ETF is is structured. So it's a lot. But knowing that stuff is part of what we do. Yeah, and it could be a whole episode talking about the structures and, and what mm -hmm. makes one thing uh, different than another. I will uh, make sure that we link in the show notes an explanation. It's a really good detailed explanation in a podcast interview with Eric Balchunas from Bloomberg. If you're really interested in ETFs and how they work and why they're tax efficient, he walks through it because he's the foremost expert in it. It is going to be nerdy. If you're not interested, don't listen to it. But if you're very curious, he does a great job. And that's always where I send people to learn kind of the 101 and 201 of, of ETFs. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Well, this was a great conversation, guys. We kind of hit uh, the soft skills and the, the technical skills here on uh, at, for the value of an advisor. Well, any closing thoughts for today? That was a good one, Colin. Um, we hit both the soft and hard skills. Anybody have anything else they want to touch on before we close out? I'm going to go hug my kid, I guess. <laughs> yeah, hold your loved ones close, guys. <laughs> and don't pay capital gains. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a great week. Thanks so much, everybody listening we hope we were able to make you laugh and allow you to learn something for all inquiries and questions please email financialforesight at gmail.com if you're on twitter feel free to give us a follow and ask a question there as well remember the podcast is for general information and entertainment purposes only and you should not consider what we've talked about investment or tax advice please consult your professional team before implementing anything we talked about if you're enjoying the show please subscribe on apple Podcasts and maybe leave us a review we'd love to hear from you and thank you so much for listening we'll be talking again soon